Hey, Prime members, you can listen to En La Sala ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. ¿Qué pasa, mi gente? It is your girl, Becky G, aquí en La Sala. Welcome back if you were here for last week's episode. And if this is your first time, you are still welcome in La Sala. I am so excited for today's episode because we are going to be talking about growing up G. You like that? You like how I did that? Becky G, growing up G, couldn't? Today, we will be getting up close and personal with my brothers, my family, as well as my musical brothers and family, Mao and Ricky. And I'm so excited to have them because we're going to be talking about their family as a whole, the Montaner family, and how their creativity is inspired by their family and everything that they do together, as well as embracing their individuality. We will talk about finding your own identity and uh, what their challenges and, you know, positive experiences were growing up in a musical family. So take a seat because we are about to spill the cafecito. So first of all, family is at the heart of our cultura. I feel like Everything that we do is inspired by our families. We all are so proud to come from either where we come from and who we come from. And even though, you know, I know I can speak for my family, we are so far from perfect. We really do have a, a love and respect for each other that has just fed my soul in so many different ways to keep moving forward. And when I was thinking of all of the little things that come with growing up G, I think of where it all started with my parents and, you know, the beginnings of their relationship and how they created their own little family. They were high school sweethearts. They were babies. I mean, my mom was 18 years old and my dad was 19 years old when they got married. And my mom was 18, turning 19 years old when she had me. My dad, 19, turning 20. And they were kids. I mean... By the time my mom was 23, my age today, she had all four kids, all right? Technically, that would be me pregnant right now with three other babies, which I would rock it because I am my mama's daughter and I've learned so much from her. <laughs> but let me tell you, that would be crazy. Me with four kids right now. Shout out to all the young moms out there, by the way, killing it because I know it is not easy. I grew up with my mom in a sense because they were so young with it when they had me. And so I wanted to actually dive into that a little bit because family is the core of everything. It's why we are the way we are. It is why we make the decisions we make because we are products of our environment. And I look at my dad and I look at my mom and how they came together. And I look at my brother, Frankie, and I look at my brother, Alex, and I look at my sister. And we're all connected, not just by blood, but also by experiences that we have lived together. And it all started with them, you know, as high school sweethearts and taking on, you know, what is a not easy thing, marriage, and deciding that they wanted to have a family. And then being young parents of four kids as you're a kid yourself, I can speak to my experience that it was a blessing and a curse. A lot of positive things came from growing up with my parents. It blurred a lot of lines. So I knew that I could always talk to my parents about anything. 
I knew that there was nothing that I couldn't be open with them about because they had no choice but to be open with us, you know, me in particular, because I was the oldest one. And the not so good side about that is when you're growing up with your parents and it blurs the lines, you kind of become like a sibling parent, daughter combination of things. And so you you kind of like fuse together and, and you you do it out of like survival. So like my parents always tried to be the best they could absolutely be. But when you're a kid yourself trying to figure it out, you're going to be so far from perfect. You're going to mess up sometimes. And so I saw my parents fumble a lot. And I'm thankful for those things because it saved me from making those same mistakes. But it also kind of robbed me of like having a normal childhood, you know, being a little kid. And I'm in a place now, post-therapy, where I can also recognize that, to be honest, I didn't really have interest in being a little kid. I wanted to be a big girl so bad. And that's why I look at how I look at my siblings and when they came into my life, you know, Frankie, Alex, Steph, they're, I call them my babies. They're like my kids. <laughs> so here I am like a sibling to my parents, but then also like a third parent in my house. So as you see, like the dynamics are, we're very close, like so close. And it's a beautiful thing. But I, I wanted to talk about these things because I think it's important to really reflect on the journey. My parents would always tell me, never let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game. We were like a huge sports family. My dad was really big in baseball. He played, you know, in his high school years. And I always like, that always stuck with me because I saw my parents so young. They were in a sense, I don't want to say reckless, but they had this like, so what if I mess up mentality? And that was kind of a good thing because I realized like, oh, my parents mess up too. And they get right back up and they keep going and they keep trying. And it was like, the sky is the limit. Like, so what if you mess up? You're going to get back up and you're going you're gonna to do it again. And you're going to do it better. You're not starting from zero. You're starting from experience. And the only way to really get through life is to experience it. And so, again, positive thing to learn from my family dynamics. But then also, like I said, going back to growing up with those lines being blurred, sometimes you deal with pressure. And not pressure that my parents put on me, but pressure that I put on myself, to be honest. Because I was so mature at such a young age, I wanted to be a good role model at home. I wanted to be a good example to my siblings and show them, you can be anything, nothing can get in your way. And whatever obstacles put in front of you, you can't overcome it. Now is probably a really good time to dive into the story of Alejandra and Francisco. <laughs> my parents met at Santa Monica High School. My mom, she was a bit of a traviesa, I guess you can say. She had gotten kicked out of her other high school, so <laughs> she had to go to Samo. And uh, that's where she met my dad. And my dad was a bit of a Casanova, I guess you could say. He was good with the ladies. My dad's the kind of guy that took women's literature just to be in the room with all the ladies, which I find so funny now looking back at it because it makes a lot of sense. And my dad claims that one day he was walking down the hallways and he didn't see my mom's face, but he saw the, the back of my mom. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I hope a donk a donk. 
and was like, that's going to be my girlfriend. Kind of like how I did with Sebastian when I sent it to my mom and I was like, say hi to my future boyfriend. Like my dad called it. And so they, their story began and it's still going, which is a beautiful thing because I think a lot of, you know, relationships that have overcome and gone through what they've gone through probably wouldn't have made it this far. And that's just me being very, very honest and open here. And so, like I said, they're so young, but so in love and so infatuated with each other and so determined, you know, they had so many dreams, but their biggest dream was like, I want to have a family and I want to have a family with you. And I remember my mom telling me that my grandma was like, I'll buy you a car. I'll send you on a trip. Like, don't get married. You're too young, you know, which I'm surprised because, you know, in our culture, it's usually like, that's what you do. You know, you get married, you have kids. But my grandma was like, Alejandra, no, por favor. Like, I'll, I'll buy you a car. I'll take, I'll send you away on a trip, whatever. My mom was already, she was like saving up for her wedding and putting, you know, saving up for like two liter sodas and like stocking up in her room, like literally getting ready for her wedding. Which, by the way, my mom proposed to my dad, which I think is one of the most badass things ever. I just had to throw that out there. That's also part of their story. And they got married. And then shortly, I'm pretty sure I'm a honeymoon baby because if you do the math, I came a little bit after the news of me existing. It came a little bit after the wedding. My siblings are like, I really, truly feel like I was born with best friends for the rest of my life. And that is such a huge blessing. And I know that, you know, for anybody who's listening and may not have those people in their lives, whether it's a relationship with their parents or with their siblings, like know that like these relationships are so much more than blood. It's so much more than blood. It's a, a relationship that still takes a lot of work and a lot of effort. And that was one of the biggest things that I learned you know, with my my brothers and my sister is even though we grew up together, doesn't make us siblings by default. You know, these are relationships that take a lot of work, a lot of effort, a lot of checking in, a lot of relearning who each other are today. I'm going to give you the cliff notes on like each one of my siblings. Frankie, the second eldest. Recently, I've been feeling like, you know what? I kind of want to be like Frankie when I grow up. Yeah, I said that. I want to be like my younger sibling when I grow up. Because this kid is so good at anything he puts his mind to. Anything he gets his hands on. In his heart, too. Like, he's kind of a, a quiet kid, my brother Frankie. He's not a kid of, like, many, many words. And yeah, he's a cool, he's like a little hype beast kid. You know, he loves the world of fashion. He loves street fashion and things like that. But, like, his heart is, like... One of the greatest things about him. I'm getting emotional. Me. We need tissues in that sala. <laughs> Me. Fuck the mascara. <laughs> so, as I was saying, his heart is literally the best thing about him. Because everything that he does, he does with so much heart. And I think that... That's just a true testament to like how we were raised is even though we may not know it all, we may not be perfect at everything that we do. We do it with everything that we have. And like, I'll give you an example. My brother, 
how long ago was it? I want to say just like within like this last year, year and a half, he created something so dope and unique and something of his own, on his own. And it was Vibes and Vintage. And then he really started breaking down to me why he was so passionate about vintage clothing. And it was about sustainability. And he's like, that one shirt, you know how many gallons it took for them to make the shirt look vintage? That's so bad for the planet. And vintage clothing is, it's like pin trading. It's really cool and it's so unique. And it's one of a kind clothing. And he's got his, you know, license to be able to do the vintage diving himself. So he's handpicking these pieces and he's educating himself on the eras that these companies were creating these specific pieces. So he'll be like, see sister, this Levi's jacket was made in the 80s, not the 90s because it's single stitch and not double stitch. And they decided to go double stitch because this designer came in and said, we are doing double stitching. I'm just like, how do you know these things? Like, this is amazing. And he was just like educating me on this thing. And I'm like, wow, vibes and vintage clothing is just like, you made it for a passion to like also make it an educational experience for people to understand that like when they're buying something from vibes and vintage, like they're also making a smarter choice for the planet. And that's why like his little logo that he created by himself has the planet in it. And I was just like, I love this. Like our creativity, like is something that we all kind of share, but it looks different on all of us. That leads me to Alex. Oh, he's the second babe. How would I say it? Alex is the third eldest. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's how you can say it. Alex is the third eldest and I call them all my babies. Right. But let's also make something clear. They're my, my younger siblings, but they're my bigger siblings because I'm the smallest out of all of them. So Alex, who's the tallest of all of us, he is my gentle giant. He is our gentle giant. Alex was diagnosed with autism just before he was going to be two years old. And he, his story is pretty incredible. He was diagnosed with cranial synostosis and had to undergo this, I mean, 50-50 chance of living or dying surgery. And it was a really tough decision that my parents, who, like I said, very young at the time, had to decide like for their child, okay, if we don't do this surgery, he will for sure live. But his chances of living a normal life are slim to none. Is that really us giving our child the best shot at life? And my parents decided, no, we we need to take this chance. He deserves this opportunity and the shot at at living a normal life. We have to take this chance and we're going to let our faith guide us. And, you know, God at the end of the day is going to decide. And obviously he survived and he is everything and more than the doctors told us he would ever be. So expressive, so communicative, so eloquent with his words. I mean, probably one of the smartest people I know and able to touch people's lives in ways that Alex just does. And his way with words and how he connects with people, you know, when he was diagnosed with autism and we all know the, the spectrum is very wide, but he, he is high functioning. And, and even then, you know, some people say, well, children with autism, you know, they're, they don't really make eye contact or they struggle with socializing. 
yeah, my brother, like anyone, you know, when you're meeting new people, you're going to suss them out. You're going to see what's going on. But Alex is, he's someone who like, will shake your hand and look you in the eyes and be like, hey, nice to meet you, man. My name is Alex. And you're like, I like this guy. He has this like cool little, you know, now he's got his little mustache and his beard growing and he's like got his little hair and his style. And I'm just like, man, like you're literally a walking miracle. Like that's why he's my hero. That's why he's our family's like little miracle baby. And then my sister, oh, she's best. Stephanie, she is, although the baby, she is a young lady. Ella es la que manda. She is la señora de la casa. She cooks, she cleans, and all that and more. But she's got so much to offer beyond the kitchen, beyond the household. She is, I mean, academically so inclined. I mean, I didn't graduate high school, but by the time my sister graduates, I, I have three diplomas. Frankie, Alex, Stephanie. And she's her heart too, man. Like all my siblings, I think we, that's something that we all share, you know, is, is everything we do is with our heart. We love hard. We work hard and, and we show up for each other. And my sister's one that she's very selfless. She puts everyone before herself. And that's something we're working on because, you know, there's pros and cons to that too. But we'll get to that a little bit later. I think I get so emotional when talking about my siblings because we've come so far. Me, it's happening again. Ugh. I don't know about you guys, but like, I hate crying. I cry all the time though. All the time. It's like, I, it's like I'm that person who kind of likes it, but says they don't like it. Because it feels good for the soul. It's okay to cry, everybody. Just give me a second. Now everybody's crying. <laughs> Wait, now I'm really going to mess with my makeup, guys. <laughs> so as I was saying, the reason why I get so emotional is because, like I said, like, you're born with these, you know, incredible people that you share these life experiences with. And you look at them and you see that, like, wow, We've made it this far and you see how amazing they are even still having faced so much adversity and overcoming all of these obstacles. And it's just, it's really like, I feel so blessed, so blessed to be a part of like a unit, a family that is so ride or die. Yeah, shit gets really real and it's not perfect sometimes and it's really hard sometimes. And so... Now that we're all kind of like young adults, you know, I, I like to consider them young adults because like myself, you know, we all had to kind of grow up pretty quickly due to the circumstances of just the life that we, we lived growing up and, and let them know that like, it's okay when we say like putting family first, like that, that looks a lot different for us now. It's like embracing our individuality at the same time as being a part of this beautiful family and accepting yourself first and loving yourself first before you can be of help or be of any love to another person, even if it is your own family. So tears and all, just keeping it so raw and so real with you guys. That's why this Growing Up G episode was so important to me because it is everything that I am today. And the person, the young woman, the cool artist, the activist in me, the human being that 
that you guys are listening to and watching and that you whatever connect with on social media, like I come from somewhere and I come from others. And, and I think it's important to recognize those things and really acknowledge them for what they really are, the beauty in it, the ugly times in it, because it makes us, it shapes us. And from living in a garage with my siblings and my parents, you know, at a point in our lives where we thought we had it all and then we lost it all, I realized that it's not the house that makes the home, it's the people. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Now we're going to take Growing Up G to my musical brothers. (laughs) that I was so excited to have on this episode because if you tuned in last week, you know, last week's episode was about Latin music. And I had, you know, Elena Rose on, I had Evie Queen on, and then I had my boy Camilo, who, if you're a fan of his music, or if you listen to the episode and were introduced to his music, he is such a talented person, amazing human being. And he is connected to this week's guest because Camilo is married to Eva Luna, who is also an amazing person, by the way, and is siblings with Mau Enrique. So that is their little sister, Eva Luna. And they're all connected and they're all just this amazing, massive crazy talented family that wears their heart on their sleeves and loves what they do and loves the people that they do it with. So that's why I was like, for sure, we have to have Mau and Ricky on the family episode. They're a force to be reckoned with. And they are also just like two corazones caminando, like literally two hearts walking on this planet. And I'm happy to have them. So here they are. Hello. Hey, 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 hey. I love you. Okay. Also, I just want to, because you said that, never once does Mao or Ricky fail 
to say I love you in every conversation we have. And I can't tell you how much that means to me because we need to tell each other more. When we appreciate someone, when we care for someone, you guys, oh, it literally makes my heart so happy. And I always look forward to talking to you guys because I always know I'm going to walk away from the conversation like, oh, I needed that. Like my heart needed that. So thank you guys so much for being here in La Sala. For all the fans, you guys were telling me when we were, you know, getting settled here that you guys are in, in uh, El DF, Mexico. in Mexico City, yeah, right? Yeah, we're in Mexico City. And you guys City. are working on a, on a special project, I heard. Yep. Yes, we are. I, I, they still haven't confirmed that we can say it or not, but let's just say it's like... Um, a special project. It's a special project uh, that has singing involved in red chairs and stuff like that. <laughs> Oh, not obvious. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, a shout out to your guys' fans because they know what's up. Um, it's a project that's with the family, right? Everybody's with you. Basically, everybody's together. The whole gang's together. To Pretty be honest, it's, it's, it's us and Kami, and, and which means Eva's in and out, but she's doing her show. Um, she's shooting her show in Bogota. So it's a, it's a very weird moment. Family-wise, because we we come from six months of being all in the same place. So all of a sudden, it's like us and Camilo are in Mexico. My parents are now in the Dominican Republic. They're with a, a big project that us as a family uh, are doing over there, over there and developing over there. And um, Eva is Eva's in Bogota. And so my wife is, is in Miami. Miami. My girl is here for this week. For this um, week. Because sí. that's how it is. Yeah, for boom, this boom, week. Boom, 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 yeah. boom, boom. So basically, so I just want to know, maybe um, Mao, you can share what your experience was being in a full quarantena with like your whole family because everybody was in the same house, right? For a while we were. We we started, it, it, it's so funny because I've seen, and I've actually, I've seen a lot of memes about this type of thing. This, this whole quarantena was so long that... We got in shape, out of shape. We were together, <laughs> then we were not together. You know, so it's like, it's crazy because at first it was like, you know what? I'm going to get in shape for these couple of weeks couple that we weeks, got going on, whatever. So let me get in shape. For and then the a couple of weeks, it's hard to keep it up for six months, seven months or whatever. So we, we fell out of shape again, but we're back. We're going back, we're back on track. <laughs> we're, going, but, we're back um, on track. But for a while, we were staying together. Then Rick and I kind of um, left and and we did a separate quarantine inside a house studio in Miami where we were there creating our album. So it was Rick and I with our girls, um, John. It was um, Chris, and, which is our best friend with his wife as well. So it was a really dope experience because for three, like for the three of the seven months, we were in another house, all of us together creating an album, which was also really fun. That's awesome. It sounds like the quarantena didn't really stop you guys then from being creative. I feel like that because I know you guys so well, like it probably didn't change the dynamic that much because you guys create together anyway. So it doesn't matter where yeah. you are. It doesn't matter if there's a global pandemic taking place. It's just another day where we get to create together. And that sounds yeah. really cool yeah. that you guys were able to create a body of work that you guys will be able to look back at and be like, wow, we did this when el coronavirus está pegando yeah, durísimo. Claro. Exactly. That's so sabes cool. Que, sabes que es chévere. The coolest thing that que nos pasó was we're used to, for the past two years, making music on the road. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Y hacerlo cuando estamos, bueno, tenemos un día libre en 
Puerto Rico, buscamos un estudio, nos metemos, grabamos. That has to be the next single because mm -hmm. we don't have another day off for three more weeks and we need to release something. This was a chance for us to just stop, shut everything out. I did not listen to anything, any music from any, o sea, from any yeah. of my friends, any of my artist friends, nothing. It was we just went like off social media. We, we went we, off socials. We went off everything. And we're just like, let's make an album that really represents who we are, what we came up listening to, etc. And that was a big benefit of being able to just be at home and not having to tour because we were really able to hone in on that, mm -hmm. you know? And there were so, I feel like, I, I'm sure for you, because I've seen on social media, I don't think any of us are the same person we were before this pandemic happened to who we are today. And there's so many life lessons that I've learned And artistically yeah. speaking, which kind of just goes into humanly speaking as well, there's nothing that's more important for each individual than their identity. Mm -hmm. You know, we live in an industry and in a world where it's so easy for us to compare ourselves, to look on social media and say like, oh, but this person's doing this or this person did this hairstyle. This person is now doing this type of music. So let me do that because it's working, you know? Yeah. So we kind of lose track of our individuality and who we are because we're constantly feel like people are also comparing us, you know? Yeah. So we feel like, oh, so I released this and how does this, this compete with what this person released? And once you like break those chains and realize that your identity is like, is like your fingerprint, you know, you're, you're original and unique and that's what makes you awesome. And I don't just mean as artists, but also as artists, as but I mean, people. as people, like even the people that are listening mm -hmm. there, once, once you realize that there's no need for you to compare yourself with how your classmate did this or como tu prima hizo tal cosa or this artist friend is doing things. Once you realize that it's so liberating. Oh my God. And yeah. you make music and you're, you're on top of the world. I'm on top of the world right now. Cause yeah. there's no better at being Mao and Ricky than we are. There's We're nobody better at being Becky G than Becky G. Period. <laughs> Thank you, Ricky. Yeah, I love that. It's so, you know, I had Camilo on the last at the, on the last episode and he yeah, said something that really, really, <laughs> he said something that like really stuck with me. And he said, um, within the word originality, there's the word origin, right? Which means we all come from something. We all come from somewhere. We're all inspired by different things, but like, Originality is something that we're constantly seeking as artists in such an oversaturated industry that, I mean, Lord knows, con, you know, the way that the Redes work and, and things like that, it, it, there is a lot of pressure to keep up with the demand, yeah, right? It's like fans, I, I, I explained this, you know, I, I released my first album and as I'm doing promo for the album and I'm so excited, it's like, so, ahora que viene? And you're like, yeah, I just, I just, this. I just made a whole album. What do you mean? Like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what's coming next. Actually, can we just like live in the moment a little bit? Yeah. That leads me to one of like my next questions because I feel like, obviously, you guys have worked so hard for so long. Even before I knew you guys, before we met here in LA at the studio and, you know, hit it, hit it off or whatever, you guys have had such an evolution as artists and also as songwriters. And, you know, with Camilo ha having been on the podcast, um, something with Elena that I speak about all the time as well is 
finding your individuality and your your uniqueness as an artist when you do write songs for other artists. Was that a struggle for you, you think, going from, you know, in and out of writing for other artists and pitching songs for other artists and then knowing what was yours? What's good for our project? What songs do we keep? Yeah, yeah. I think that I think that after all, everything happens for a reason. And I'm grateful for that, you know, and I'm grateful for the way that we kind of found ourselves. Um, however, I do believe that in this whole pursuit of um, writing hits or trying to find a hit for someone else and trying to find a hit for us, we kind of lost sight about it. We lost sight of what was actually important. And it, it was, and it isn't really chasing the hit. Mind you, I love that we kind of did chase it for a while because we were able to find a lot of really important songs that not only were important for our career, but it was important for careers of our friends like you and careers of friends like Camilo and of a, a bunch of people that surround us, you know, or, or Ricky Martin, whatever. And, and, and it's thing that things that definitely happen for a reason and happen in a very positive way. But yeah, there is, I guess it's like a balance because it, it's a way of making sure you are writing something that relates with people and trying to find when you write for someone else, what is a way for, in our case, when we wrote together, it was, it was a little bit easier because, because we did write together and because we were, it, it was a lot easier to kind of feed off from what you were. Yeah. Cause we already knew to, you, you know, exactly. Yeah. So, but when Rick and I wrote we had to kind of channel what, what we believed Ricky Martin would, would say. say and would say in the future. Because another thing that we like to do is that we don't like to write, oh, this is what Ricky Martin would have done 10 years ago. No, it's what is the next thing that Ricky Martin would do and, and how can we channel that, you know? And, and, and so all that kind of took us some time to realize that we didn't have to chase the hit anymore, that thank God we had those moments, but that... Uh, after there was this one song in particular, we kind of hit this wall. Um, it was pretty recent too. It was before this whole album that we thought, wow, although I love this song, I do believe we didn't necessarily move forward. And I don't mean move forward uh, numbers wise. I mean, move forward yeah. as a band and as an evolution, the bands and the artists that I love the most are bands that are constantly moving forward. And so I love that that was the way that we found out that what we needed to do was just see, stay yeah, true to identity. Becky, for example, like Becky's sound, mm -hmm. when you're like, oh, what's Becky's sound? Sin Pijama is a part of what that was, pero hoy en día el sonido de Becky G no es Sin Pijama, porque mm -hmm. Becky G mm -hmm. ya pasaron un par de años y Becky G tiene que ir forward. She needs to go mm -hmm. moving forward para conseguir what's my sound now. So yeah. mis sonidos si es desconocidos y mi mala... And that, pero today, mm -hmm. my sound es La Grosera, es Papás, is mm -hmm. this whole album. Because if you don't keep moving forward, I grow stale as an artist and I can't give my fans the best of me. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know? Totally. And that that reminds me of um, the the voice note that I sent you after your guys' performance. Uh, I think it was Juventud. And I was like, I you, you so guys, much. like, I don't think I've ever seen you guys so 
so sure, so empowered. Like, and I've shared the stage with you guys. And we always yeah. talk about like, what do I do? How do I move? You know, like, how do I? And, yeah. and you just learn by doing. But when I saw that performance and I saw, you know, you on the drums, you with the guitar in your hand and you're just, you're just going and the sound and it had so many different layers and, and textures and it was so you guys. And that made me so happy for you guys because that that journey as an artist to find your your niche you know and, and say this is me like it it took me back to like when you guys did first start and you guys always had a love for creating music but to see you guys now as performers and and that evolution i was like they're fucking rock stars these guys like <laughs> they looked so cool from the outfits to the content like there's there's a true fingerprint now for you guys and and that makes me so happy to hear that you guys feel it too because what comes after this it only gets better and it only gets greater oh, you know that's beautiful and, and parentheses Thank you so much you did say just now that that we always say um oh i love you or whatever but it is also a result of of who you are i feel like uh, this is this is a family and i do believe that what we have as friendship it is something very real and it is something that, you know how much it means to us and there should be more of this in general. And I was talking to Ricky about it, I think a couple of days ago. It's important to reach out to your to your friends mm-hmm. to, that are working and to say, if you, do, if you did feel there was something cool, to say it because there might be something going on in, in that person's life that they need that confirmation and they need that reassurance of, hey, I appreciate what you're doing and I see it, you know? Yeah. That is important. Like what you're trying to deliver is coming across. Porque mm-hmm. when you're artist, cuando eres artista, it's not like, like this is just a night. Oh, no, we're trying this out. O sea, it's, it's your life. Mm-hmm. Es mi vida. O sea, All or nothing, yeah. Esto yeah. es toda, o sea, ese performance que tuviste, papás, la grosera, o sea, that is our, o sea, eso, es, eso soy yo. Entonces, yeah. nosotros creemos tanto en eso y tener a alguien como tú que nos diga, ¿Sabes qué, muchachos? Lo que están haciendo, el mensaje is coming across. Es importante que nosotros como artistas y amigos nos los digamos. And it's, and it's important not to wait. Okay, I'll tell them when, 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 I, see when I see them. No. So what you did when you sent us that voice note, it meant more to us than you could imagine because it was, We're like, it was a voice note know? from someone that we admire saying, yo, it's working. Keep going. You know, that, that type of shit is something that... that is what creates this confidence and this momentum for the like, artist to kind of want to keep on. Lo que estoy haciendo está funcionando. Okay, what's exacto. next? Okay, yeah. how do we push the boundaries so, even more? So thank you, you know? for that. Of course. We no, say I, I love mean, because we mean it. And and I love you guys so much. And, and it's because it, it does bring me back to this one word. And that's like, it's family. And family to me, it's, it's, it is so much more than just blood. It is when you connect with someone, especially when you have... You know, yeah, we have a lot of things in common. We also have a lot of differences too. And I think that it's embracing each other's differences. It's learning from one another and being willing to. These relationships, they take a lot of effort, you know? And, and I want to ask you guys some questions like about your your brotherhood and what your brotherhood means to you guys. Because obviously, like I know for me, I don't come from a musical family. I, unless it's like, I always say, unless it's tequila and karaoke, like nobody in my family is a singer, (laughs) you know, I want to know, like, 
having embarked in this journey together as artists, like, has there been moments where you guys have bumped heads, like, and had conflict and had to overcome maybe ego or pride or fear within each other's um, personal space and trying to reach those mm -hmm. dreams, you know? Because it is a 100%. lot, I can imagine. Ricky, maybe you can answer this one. Yeah. Like, okay, so there's a couple of things. So one, which I think is the most important to define within a family is that we're all, even though we're from the same family and we have the same love for music, we're all different. Yeah. And we're all are different. We are different artists within the same family and we reach different people within the same family. So my message or our message is different from Kami and Eva's message. Kami and Eva's message and my message is different from my father's message, you know? So a lot of times what can happen is like, say, let's say La Grosera, right? And there's a, there's a, there's a couple of things. Like if you're not sure with who you are as an artist, it's, it's easy for those lines to blend and there not be a true identity within the family mm -hmm. of like, who is Maui Ricky next to Camilo and Eva? Who is, who are they next to the dad? Is the message the same? Is it not? Because it isn't because we make different music than them. Mm -hmm. They make different music than us. And the message is different. I got, I, I, um, I proposed to my girlfriend a couple of weeks ago, right? So, oh, right. Are you asking me to validate that? Because I think Instagram made it very official, by the way. I was like, yeah, it's official. It's official. <laughs> so, I, so that happened. That happened. And Kami was like, yo, instead of releasing this video like this, why don't you get like one of the romantic songs in the album and make it make the video, the proposal video. And I'm like, yo, that's an amazing idea. And it made me doubt for a second. I was like, bro, you're right. Let's put off La Grosera. Let's do this instead. And then like, everyone was like, yeah, that's a great idea. And then as I was like praying one morning, I'm like, God, is this what you want me to do or not? And one thought that came to my mind was that would work perfectly for him. That's something he would do. You know what I'm saying? Like Kami that, do, yeah. that's something Kami would do and he would pull off incredibly and like his video with Eva and his video with this. And I was like, that's different to what our message is. So let me get, let me get, um, let me propose to my girl and let's release a song that's saying, I'm going to end up with somebody like, like telling your ex, screw you. Um, I'm going to end up with somebody better looking than you. And that's, that's, you know, like quote unquote, the funny irony mm -hmm. behind it. Mm -hmm. that our message is different. And I wasn't, I, I didn't release that song saying any message to any ex-girlfriend of mine at all, despite the rumors on social media has oh, absolutely really? nothing to do with as, that. As Twitter would There's, say, oh, really? Oh, really? Exactly. Oh, really? As Twitter would say, has absolutely nothing to do with my ex-girlfriend or anything like that. But we're like, that's kind of what our message is and how we want to go about. So, and, then, and, and then to get to that, it's important also to, to, to speak about us as a band and inside the band, which to get to a message and to get to be in sync about a message, because we can't be shooting towards different areas, you know, or to yeah. different directions. We have to yeah. be in sync to kind of, to get to that, there's this level of maturity that needs to happen that did not come till very later on in, in our relationship as a brothers and as, as and bandmates this or whatever. a lot yeah. with that. We had already kind of figured it out because we we figured out because we would tour a lot 
and we didn't have the money to pay for two rooms, we would bunk together. We'd sleep in the same bed in a small room in a terrible hotel or something like that. And we'd be like this. So this for like 10 years, mind yeah. you. We did not have, we had to learn how to not cross boundaries when boundaries were so hard to not cross because we're like this, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, and so, so when we that, don't have to share rooms now, yeah, we, we can, we can um, still get along and, and point towards the same direction. It, it's, it's great because we learned uh, how to, how to respect each other. And, and most of that respect came from how much we admire each other. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's something that is key inside a relationship with it, whether it's brothers, bandmates, uh, work relationship, family relationship is admiration, love and respect is the most important thing. If but, not, you know how easy it is to compare yourself to your brother? Oh, so mm-hmm. too In your house, you're like, oh, and he goes in this, you, had, you know, you it's had not. How many views on your single? Yeah. How many views did I, if six times platinum, I had uh, this many, you and, know, like... It's so easy to do that. And if you don't have that respect and that love and understand that your individuality mm-hmm. and your identity is different, mm-hmm. that you have no competition. But yeah. also inside the band, the ego thing. The ego thing is something that we had to re We kind of had to recalibrate. And we had to understand something that is something key for our relationship as brothers, which is bands have such a false belief that there has to be one leader. You know, and in that kind of uh, struggle of finding out who the leader is and between a bunch of bandmates wanting to be the leader, they break up. If bands understood that there could be multiple leaders, like Ricky is my leader, for example. Ricky's my leader in everything creative, everything that has to do with music, with content, with videos, with everything that is cool. He is my leader or whatever. And I had to step back and say, you know what? Me conviene and I will go I will go further if I have this freaking train of an intensity type of person with everything creative taking me to where he can take me. I know that I can't be as productive as he can. But then he also steps back and he does the same in other areas that he knows that that he will do better in if I'm the one leading it. But there has to be a level of maturity where you can understand that you are not as good doing it, yep. you know, and you step back and you say, you know what, I'm not as good as him. And if I want to go where I know I want to go to reach that goal that I have and that dream, I have to let my, I have to I gotta let, let it, I, got, I gotta let it go. Someone. Yeah. That, exactly. That's really powerful. That's really powerful. Obviously from a, a creative and an artistic uh, perspective, because you're right. Like, you know, our on-the-road team becomes our family and, and you can fight like brothers, you can fight like family. Um, but it does come down to respect and it does come down to embracing one another and embracing our individuality. As far as that, those dynamics, like who, who would you say is like the first one to apologize when they are in the wrong or when they do say something or, or cross a line or a boundary? Ricky. Um, yeah, you're the Ricky first to apologize, Ricky? quick. Ricky is quick. Ricky is, um, he's probably out of all of us, probably the quickest to get upset, like un favorito type thing. But he's also the quickest to say, yo, I messed up. I'm sorry. And so it's super quick. An argument between me and Ricky ends like that. Because it's honestly, if he messed up, he goes, yo, eh, I'm sorry, I messed up. 
It's like that. It's instant. We I keep we keep each other grounded all the time mm-hmm. though. Like Mao Mao is a lot more mature with certain things than I am. But there's times where he'll be like acting a certain way, and I'm like, yo, dude, check yourself because it's nobody's fault. What's going I'm, on? It's I, like I blah get blah. blah. Moments and then the he's time. like, he's like, fuck you. You're right. You're right, man. I don't I don't know what I was, you know? So we're constantly that's what helps us not get not to think we are all that because we yeah. have the other person who's like you're not all that you you ain't shit and then he tells me <laughs> I ain't shit and then when we when we are feeling like we're shit he'll tell you, you're the best you, exactly. there's nobody like you there's nobody great you know it's just that balance that keeps you like yeah you know? I'm the same with my I'm the same with my family do you guys know when to turn it off or how to turn it off or is it just like on all the time like Business and music all the time. Or is it like, nah, we got to disconnect. We're not talking or thinking about anything to do with the project and what comes next. Like, how do you guys balance that? The thing is that it's been on even before we started working. Because it was on from the the moment where we're dreaming about it. And we're still like, everything that we do as work is kind of like a, we're dreaming about what we're about to do. So it's all like, always constantly talking about, Bro, we gotta do. We gotta write this. We gotta whatever. We and it's like you know what'd be cool if we if we did this in our show. You know, it's yeah. constantly and it is an issue though, not between us because I love it and he loves it and so we have no issue at all like talking about it. And it happens the same with my dad. My dad doesn't have an issue at all talking about it. Gami has no issue talking about it, but our girls do have a little bit of an issue with yeah. that. So whenever... And, and I think it's also not just with our girls. I feel like when we're together mm-hmm. talking about our project, it's always on. Mm-hmm. But if we're with, say, Kami or my dad, and it's like we each want to talk about our projects. So there, there is a moment where we all have to be like, let's just talk about this show that we're watching. Or this yeah. thing that we're doing. So it's not like, oh, so you know what? I'm doing this thing and I'm doing the podcast with Becky and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing this. Oh, yeah, well, uh, I was thinking I'm going to go record this music video. And it's like this constant thing where you have to be like, whoa, bro, let's just go yeah. work out. Let's go write something new. Let's go laugh at this show. Watch this meme. Let's whatever it is, you know? Yeah, There's definitely. Uh, definitely have to think about it. Um, it's a balance to, yeah. that we're not good at. And it's okay. I mean, there's a lot of people who aren't good at a lot of things, but it's really good that you can recognize that um, that you're not good at it. Because that's sometimes the hardest part, you know, like I said before, ego, pride. It's like Sebas is always telling me because to the dynamics of like you guys mentioned, like it's it's the pareja on the other side that sometimes struggles with it the most. Sebas sometimes has to remind me, like, keep it light today, babe. Or like, you know, today we're just we're going to be fans of music. We're not going to be constantly talking about creating music and trying to change the music industry and i'm like okay you got it um yeah and, i love that yeah. so keep much it keep it light keep it light keep it light it's keep it basically light his way of being like <laughs> you know it's like not everything is about you <laughs> not everything is about you <laughs> don't get intense Bex. it's it's great though you said we need that we need that you know we need we and they're like our family too and, and i see that you know in your guys's relationships you guys really do when your partner um, comes into your life, they also enter your family's life. And I wanted to just ask though, because I know you guys came out with Babas and, you know, obviously like the video, by the way, is amazing. I, I want to just ask the simple question of like, do you guys get along with your suegros? Because like you also become a part of their family. Oh, for yeah. sure. 
¿Y tú, Ricky? I do. O sea, mm -hmm. esa canción, the thought is more like the, the fear o la película que uno se hace en la cabeza before meeting them, you know? It's like, oh, they're going to hate my tattoos. Like my hair, black and white, they're going to be like, they're going to think this, oh, like he does this type of music and talks about this type of stuff, you know? So, so you automatically start doubting or thinking, oh, they're going to hate me, they're going to hate me. So you make that movie in your head and that's kind of what that song is about, yeah. you know? But I have, have had moments where... Uh, I haven't gotten along with in-laws, for sure. Not the current. Not my Sorry. current in-laws. They love me and I love them, but... Same but before, me. in the past? Oh, yeah, it's happened, for sure. Y tú, Mao? It's, you know, it's hard. It's... it's it, For me, I, I get... A, I'm really good with with my, my in-laws. Like, I'm really good with... In general, I feel like I'm good with people that are older than me, you know? I'm better with people that are older than me than with people that are younger than me or my same age. And I feel like... Um, the moment that I went into the, my wife's family, they adored me. But I can't imagine it's easy coming from, like, for example, with La Grosera. La Grosera is a song that talks about a lot of really, although it's not offensive, it has a lot of really bad words, you know. And my in-laws come from a, a style of living that it's a little bit less Um, bad wordy, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? So it's more, it's more it's, it's conservative, conservative, I guess. But they're, they love me with all with all their heart, and and it's awesome because they make the effort in understanding, you know. And so I got a message. We just released this song, La Rosera. So I haven't spoken to them about it. I really haven't. But this my my suegra sent me a message today through DM that warmed my heart, and she says she didn't say anything about the bad words. She just said. I'm working on learning the lyrics. And she said, um, Ya me estoy aprendiendo la grosera. Te amamos. Mm. So, and beautiful. I know she does not like approve or whatever, mm -hmm. but just the effort that she is just saying, you know what, we love you. And even if it's a lie that she's not learning it, just the fact that she went ahead and said, Hey, I'm, I estoy haciendo el esfuerzo para aprenderme la letra. You know, like, like, like made our proud. parents told us before releasing that song, they didn't want us, they wanted us to change everything in it. Mm. Really? Like, they wanted me to change absolutely every single word in it. <laughs> every single word. And, it, and we told our dad, no, that's just the way we communicate. We and it's true. And, and it's true. And that's what happens. And well, But I can see if, if my in-laws would know me and that's the song that's out and they know it. And I'm like, hey, nice to meet you guys. They'll be like, Oh, this is a guy that talks like this in his song. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's not an offensive song. It's just, it's just real, you know? The episode is called Growing Up G. And of course, you know, I'm sure the fans want to know what it was like growing up for you. But especially growing up with your father being who he is as an artist. You know, as you mentioned before... It, you guys were born into it, so it wasn't even a thought. It was just like, these are these are also my dreams, so I'm going to do what I can to accomplish them. But um, were you guys, like, aware of it? Like, not at home, obviously, because that's just your dad, but, like, yeah. outside of it, was it, like, annoying? Was it, like, exciting? Like, how did that affect you growing up? It was the coolest it, it thing It was in definitely the world. exciting. It was yeah. definitely, like seeing it firsthand what we wanted to do. It, it was amazing seeing how people loved him and how everyone talked um, so highly of him and 
And having that example too, the example was amazing. I would say that the only thing that is complicated about having a father is doing the same thing that you're doing and, or that you want to do is going back to what we were talking about, the identity thing. There's so many things that are just like that shadow more than like, Oh, he's so successful. And it's not like, like, we're like, Oh, we got to be bigger. We got to do also leave a marker. It's more kind of like, who am I different from what I've seen for, Mm. 20 years of my life where it's like, it's been done this way or this type of music and this type of songwriting and this type that it's like, who am I inside of all this? That isn't just completely influenced from what I've seen growing up, you know, it's hard so to that find it, search sure. I think is, is a little bit more complicated because you have such a big example in front of you all the time. And it's not like you're like, Oh, I really admire this artist. And I really like how this artist is handling this. It's like, you get everything from this artist, all the positives, all the negative stuff, all the um, how he handles this type of the business or this type of the creative part. So it's like you're kind of like you going in with already all those things and how they work those things out. So finding out how you like to work things out, how you like to do things, how you like to song yeah. that, I guess, is would be the hardest thing. You yeah. Know? Totally. And and one thing I want to ask about, like, just your parents as as a whole, you know, I think for me, there was a moment, um, you, you hit an age, mine was very young, um, when you realize that your parents aren't superheroes, you know, that they are also human beings and that they can be flawed in their own ways or, you know, they're always trying their best. But like you said, you know, you we take the, on the positives, you take on the negatives. What do you think is like one of the greatest lessons you've learned through your parents? It's a relief. I, I feel like yeah. finding out for, for us that our parents weren't perfect was a huge relief. Because when were, we were growing yeah. up, it was like crazy because all our friends would talk about like, oh, this happened in my family and this happened with this. And like me and my cousins were all look at each other and be like, that doesn't really happen in our family. Yeah. Like, like our for family's sure. perfect, you know? And in that pressure growing up, like, oh, I really hope that me and my wife have the same type of relationship or that me and my future kids have the same type of thing. And when you're growing up and you find out that your parents aren't exactly perfect and that they they screwed up doing certain things or blah, blah, you're like, oh, OK. Yeah. So it's OK to make certain mistakes and it's OK to. And and at the end, end of the day, they, they're. They're trying to figure it out as much as we are, you know? They're yeah. just a little bit ahead, you know? And, and the truth is, is, I think that the best, like, advice or whatever was m- mainly just their example. Because even though they weren't perfect, they they didn't need to say anything. They just, as, I guess, as a couple and as how much they respected and and loved each other, we were able to understand what love meant thanks to how they loved each other, you know? And that kind of helped us to understand what love meant, not only with our um, partners or like with my wife or whatever, but that also meant what it, how, how to love my brothers, how to love my sister, how to, how, you know, I, I think that that is so key because at the end of the day, no matter what, it doesn't matter what one says. I think what's most important is what people feel Mm-hmm. when they meet you and what people yeah. feel when they're around you. And so I could say, I could look a certain way or whatever, but that that feeling and that thing that you feel here is the most important thing. And and for my entire life, 
what I felt seeing my parents together was what I always kind of um, tried to apply in my own yeah. way to, to every single relationship that exists in my life. Damn, that's so beautiful. Wow. Thank you, Mao. That's that's honestly that's and that's some real shit. That's some real shit. That's I'm some really real shit. Yes, exactly. <laughs> because of how we are and we're all about family family, when you do bump heads with people that you hoped to have a family like relationship with, it's tough. It's hard. But I, I'm really happy for you guys to know that everything, you know, in your personal lives and also in your artistic world, it really sounds like it's aligning. And I know that it hasn't always been easy for you guys. And you guys have really like, like I said, you guys deserve everything that is happening for you guys because you've, you've really worked hard for it. And, and you've, you've gone through the process of like, as you said, knowing, thinking, you know, exactly what you want and then losing yourself in the sauce of the pressures and then having to kind of like find yourself again and find yourself in this new space as the new people that you are um, on a humane level. And I don't know, it just, it makes me, again, I, I'm so happy for you guys. I'm so proud of you guys. Before we leave, one of the last things that I like to do, two things that I like to do, I like to do a thing called play that track. So I just want to know from each one of you, maybe Ricky, you can go first and then Mao what your favorite song is at this moment. It could be your own. It could be of another artist um, that's kind of got you through um, the tough times, you know, the cuarentena, the whatever song that you always had on replay. Um, So yeah, if you can share that. Hmm. All right. So it's obvious that I want people to listen to our song, La Rosera and Papas Mm -hmm. and everything, but I'm not going to mention those because I want want to go more interesting. Um, And I go with like my obvious choice, which would be that. Um, there's a song from a, probably one of my favorite bands of all time called uh, the band's called the 1975, and they have a, a song called um, "If You're Too Shy, Then Let Me Know," or "If mm. You're Too Shy," something like that. That's been my cuarentena song the, that I've replayed most. I'm pretty all sure right. that's that's gonna be our my most listened to song in the last six months. I love sure. it. And you, and I would say it would. It would definitely. I'm just trying to figure out which which one of this artist, but it would definitely be a JP Sax song. It'd be a JP Sax song, and I think it would be um, a little bit yours. I love um, that song. I think that is such a such a dope song. I feel like um, I, he is definitely probably my favorite songwriter that exists in this entire earth, and and we've actually been able to be close and to become friends, and that's something that is unreal to me. But yeah, yeah. I'd say, JP I'd say J- any JP Sack, the entire album that he released, and and the new stuff that he has released, like Hey Stupid, I Love You, and um, I can't choose one because I am that much of a fan of his, and it has kind of been the soundtrack of my entire quarantine. Okay, and the last thing is what I like to do on this podcast is uh, have my guests, I also shared my own stories, share a mala santa story. So in your guys' case, it's malo o santo. So a story, it could be from like when you guys were kids or something. Maybe you guys did something and were like graviesos or whatever. Yeah, whatever you guys want to share. It could be anything, a malo story, a santo story. All right, Mal, you first. 
Yeah, I used to steal tire caps, which is the little cap that is like that, that que tapa the air filler of the tires. The, there's a lot of the dope, like BMWs or whatever, Lamborghinis. Lamborghinis, they used to have really dope tire caps. I don't know if they still do that because I stopped kind of noticing. But with my friends, we started collecting them, but we would go around and steal them. It was terrible. I feel terrible about that. <laughs> oh, my um, God. How old are you? I was probably 11. Oh, wow. I was okay. 11. <laughs> I used to steal those too, but I feel like all of my Milo stories will be like something like involving girls or something when I would like <laughs> sneak out of my house or sneak Why am I not surprised? Of course not. Of course not. I think not. it's like stealing girls into my parents' house or... Um, actually, no, I remember... One time I went over to a friend's house and went to a pharmacy and we were like 11 years old and we stole stole condoms. Why? For no reason. Because just to find out what they were and how they were and how they like (laughs) to like explore them. So I remember like, yeah, we just stole, we just like opened the box, grabbed the content from the box and we're like, bye, bye guys. And then we're all like, what? What is this? How does this work? That's amazing. That's hilarious. That is a fantastic story. So neither of you guys have sample stories then. You guys, you were just traviesos all your life. No, I I (laughs) saved my brother's life once when we were little. Yeah? Remember that, that, that when we were moving from Caracas, it was like a big cardboard, like, Oh my God. Like yeah. roll. And then we're like, oh, this is really cool. Let's just get into the cardboard and let's just start walking inside. So we were, imagine a roll, like a roll of toilet paper, say, right? But it's a roll of cardboard, card, like big, tall cardboard. So we started going inside. The, obviously, the, the more you're running in, the tighter the place is getting, mm-hmm. you know? But we were running inside the thing, like, like going inside of it, crazy. And it got to a point where, like I was chasing Mao and then he just starts screaming, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. <laughs> it was crazy. Oh my it was- God. And then I'm like trying to find him, but he had run so, so much like further ahead of me that I couldn't find him. Then I just start going against the walls. Boom. 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 And I knocked the whole thing down and I rescued him. It was, that it was crazy. heroic. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that sounds was- very heroic. That this little, heroic. This he, little kid is alive. But you, you did a lot of things like that. Like when we were growing up, he, he was a great older brother. Great, Saved great, his great life older many brother. times. And I can't really, like, I don't know if I ever did like anything like heroic like that, but I, I feel like I pray really, really well. That's very simple of you. I love it. Before every show. I love it. That's you know, funny. I have my, my, um, my sister, I would say my sister, she's, She's that for us and our family too. She's she's our little Santita. She's also the Doña. She also tells, ella's la que manda. She's the one that tells everybody what everyone's schedule is and how it's going to go down and who needs to be ready for what. It's amazing. Um, but okay, well, thank you for sharing those with me. Te amo, man. I miss you. I know, I miss I you guys so much. I so bad, man. I know, soon. <laughs> Becky, we're, we're, we're so Absolutely. proud of you. We're so proud of you because I think it's this type of, space is super important because you're able to um, speak life into people, you know? Rick and I have noticed that a word could change someone's life. One word. It doesn't require to 
you know, it doesn't have to be this huge gesture, gesture or whatever. It could be one word. Yeah. And you're allowing, not only are you speaking into people's life and you're speaking love into their lives, but you're also allowing us to be able to have a space that is humongous for us to be able to also um, share our message of love and family and brotherhood into people's lives, which is super important. So we're grateful for you. We're proud of you. And this was awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm having my, I'm, I'm having my san, santo moment right now, as you can see with the light. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I love it. Look at that. <laughs> we love you. I we love, love you guys so much. so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you, guys. Ciao. Mwah. Love you. <laughs> Alright guys, and now for one of my favorite parts of our En La Sala episodes. I've always said if we're going to talk about the culture, we're going to give back to the culture. So this episode is dedicated to La Plaza de Cultura y Artes and La for LA too, which is LA Plaza de Cultura y Artes. I think it's really cool um, what they do. It's a collection of stories that celebrates the role of Mexicanos, Mexican-Americans, and all Latinos in shaping the past, present, and future of Los Angeles, which is my city, my home. Literally everyone and anyone can get involved. For more information on how you can participate or contribute, you guys can visit LAPCA.org. That is LAPCA.org. Quiero dar las gracias to my brothers, Mao and Ricky, for joining me today in La Sala, for sharing their honest truth. And I love their whole family, the entire Montenegro family. They're, they're just so welcoming and so embracing so gracias a ustedes por siempre recibirme con brazos abiertos you guys are amazing all my love to you guys and also a huge shout out to my family my mom my dad my brothers my sister you guys are so amazing you guys inspire me in everything that i do we are here every week so you can like follow and subscribe on amazon music to join the party aquí en la sala and you guys can follow me at I am Becky G on all social media platforms. And we will be back next week. Adios. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to En La Sala ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey.